Today's January 23rd, 2024. Welcome to Read Through the New Testament. <laughs> Hi, everyone. And uh, Apparently again, today it's icy out. So only for another hour. No class again. No, no class for us. Hallstrom canceled from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And so we thought we would do is give you a little video update instead of our class. Right. So hopefully maybe you guys can even watch this while you're sitting at home waiting to go to Hallstrom today. Okay. We'll try to get it out quick. Yeah, we'll see if we can... We'll see if that works. Yep. Okay. I don't know if it will. Hopefully it will. That'd be really good. If it does, you can come and see Mrs. Brandon for some bread. Yeah, I have bread all ready for you guys. And so I'll bring it to Alstrom today. Come and see me in our classroom if you want some. Yeah. Okay? And show your summaries and then you yes. can get your bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, that's okay. Good. So today we're going to read Luke 5, 17 to 39. And then we're going to read Ephesians 6. And then after the reading, we're going to give a little introduction to Philippians. Right, because we're going to start Which that we're going to start tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yep. Okay. Okay, we're Luke 5, 17 to 36. That's what you said, right? Yep. No. 17 to 39. 17 to 39. Okay, here we go. Um, mm -hmm. This is Jesus just doing a bunch of miracles still. Uh, Luke 5. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. I mean, what a big crowd. <laughs> he starts Amazing. chipping away at the roof. It starts coming down. Everybody's got to stop and see that happening. <laughs> and that was amazing. But what <laughs> Jesus says afterwards, even amazing. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what had been what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God and amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Verse 27. Now he's going to call Levi or Matthew. <clears throat> After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Um, this is often called a Levi party. Just someone converts to Jesus, and then he's got all his non-Christian friends that he invites 
to his party to hear about Jesus. Because what happens oftentimes is you become a Christian and you had former friends who are non-Christians mm -hmm. and and those kind of fade away as you sync more with the church. But that's a Levi party is what this is, real strategic. Okay. Um, so on your summary, you could just put Levi party. That was really good. Good. If you know what that means. Levi called. You could do that too. <clears throat> okay, uh, verse 33. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and... The piece from the new will not match the old, and no one puts the new wine into the old wine skins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wine skins, and no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. That's some confusing stuff there, but basically <laughs> yeah. when Jesus was there, he was bringing joy. And, and he was the bridegroom. He's the bridegroom, and he was like the wedding. That's why he didn't fast. Like, and he's more important than all their nitpicky laws. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so Luke 5, now you can do your summary for Luke 5. And we've got him calling his disciples. And he does two healings, a leper and a paralytic. And he calls Matthew. Yep. And then there's this question about fasting and the rules. And yep. Jesus being the bridegroom. Yep. You can work it out. I okay. don't know, you guys are getting good at the summaries. Okay, Ephesians chapter okay. 6. And we've seen in Ephesians 5, 4 and 5, we've seen this theme of walking, of how to live. And in chapter 6, now we're going to see this theme of standing firm uh, against the schemes of the devil. After talking about children's parents and bond servants and masters. So I think it's your turn. Okay, yep. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents that and the Lord, for this is all. right. <laughs> Um, this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That refers back to the Ten Commandments, yep. the Fifth Commandment. Yep. I say, guys, you will help your parents and make them help happy and joyful if you're just obedient to well, them. And it will go well with you. And it's going to be good with you. That's God's promise. Like, it's the first commandment with a promise. Yeah, and oftentimes kids will rebel against their parents, and oftentimes it faces hardship for them. So the best for you is to submit and follow and obey your parents. And honor them. And honor them. Um, and then verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So parents aren't off the hook either. No, they are. Uh, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he received back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. <clears throat> okay, so children and parents, and then work 
relationships and now standing firm. Um, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in the opening in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. Tychicus will probably bring the letter. That's why he'll be able to tell them in person. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And that is the end of the book of Ephesians. Philippians. All right, so now we're starting uh, Philippians, and we just want to give you a brief overview just so that we read it uh, this next week. You'll kind of have a grasp of what's going on. Mm -hmm. We would encourage you to watch any of the overview and background videos that are on our website about yep. Philippians. Those yep. are very helpful. Yep. So in terms of the overview, um, really one of the best places to start and understand is in the middle of chapter 2 when it speaks about this guy named uh, Epaphroditus. Well, actually, maybe we should go back. First, Philippians was a church planted by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16. Right. So if you remember the story in Acts 16, there was Paul and Silas were thrown into jail and then there was an earthquake mm -hmm. and then the jailer and his family were saved yep. and the church was begun. Yep. Church going right there. So that, this is who they are writing to. So the jailer and his family probably read this. Um, Lydia, we learn about in Acts 16. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. probably read this. Yep. So those are the people who are getting this letter. Yeah. So that's when the church started. And then Paul kind of carried on. And then he eventually found himself in prison in Rome. And this is probably where he wrote. He wrote this letter from prison to this church that he had planted. And um, then this Epaphroditus, actually, we read in the end of chapter 2. Um, he's really key because those in Philippi heard that Paul was in prison and so they sent a gift to him, which we'll read about in chapter 4. And Epaphroditus sent the gift to them, to Paul. He delivered it. Yep. Gave Paul the gift. And then Paul is then sending this letter back to them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just to thank them for yep. the gift they gave him. Yep. 
So that's sort of the overview of Philippians. Right. So author is Paul. He's in prison. And he even gives them some personal updates here in this letter. And then the recipient, the people receiving the letter, that's the people in Philippi, who we've been introduced to already in Acts mm -hmm. 16. Mm -hmm. And then the occasion is this gift that Epaphroditus brought, and then Paul's thanking them and yep. sending it back with Epaphroditus. Yep. And I'll have these notes on the website so that you can look at that and print this out. These, this would be the things that you write in here in your book. Yep. Okay. And in terms of the structure, really, it's there's really no good simple structure like <laughs> like Ephesians and like Colossians. Similarly, is he talks about doctrine in the first half about our salvation in Christ, our unity in Christ in the church, and then really practically how that works itself out. Just like splits right in two. Galatians splits kind of in three about his own personal testimony and then some doctrine and then some application, like bang, bang, bang. And this, it doesn't really follow that. It's more of a it meandering, sort of weaves a lot of things. But there are really two themes that are, are key in Philippians. And one is the theme of joy, which is amazing because Paul is in prison. Right, he's in really bad circumstances. And prison it's there awful. is different than prison in the United States. I mean, prison in the United States is awful, but you're provided for there, like living circumstances are uncomfortable. Who knows even if you get a bed or who knows even if you get a toilet, no showers. And know, he like, knows he might be headed for death. Yeah. Like it's bad. So super hard, but yet he's joyful even in mm -hmm. these super hard situations and exhorts those in Philippi to be joyful. Like this joy or rejoicing happiness theme is, is one big thing. And 15 then also, times it's mentioned. Well, okay. So. And then another theme is the theme of the gospel, because uh, Paul just kind of weaves the gospel into Philippians. And, and I think that really it's joy in the gospel is where he's finding his joy, not joy in his circumstances. Mm -hmm. So if you look for overall theme of Philippians, I think it'd be rejoice in the gospel. And particularly like even in chapter one and verse five, he was always in my prayer of mind for you making prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That takes us back to Acts 16 when they were saved and then he went on to Thessalonica. And while in Thessalonica, those in Philippi sent him some gifts there to help him preach the gospel. So from the very first day, and that's talked about in chapter four, from the very first day, you were a partner with me in the gospel. And he, he just, and he says, the gospel's progressing, chapter one, while I am in prison. He says, and even if I die, I'm, Rejoicing in the gospel that Christ has saved me. And then he says, much like Ephesians 4, Philippians 1, 27, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel mm. of Christ. And mm. so some of the life manner worthy of the gospel is to live in humility. In chapter mm -hmm. 2, speaks it's about big, that. Big theme. Yeah. Um, and, and unity, like the same thing that Philippians talked about, or Ephesians talked about. Like in chapter 4, there's some people who aren't really uh, living in harmony with one another. So that's our uh, chapter two then goes on to describe about Timothy and Epaphroditus and how he wanted to send Timothy, but he can't because he's crucial for him. And then he describes the gospel in his own life mm -hmm. in chapter three <clears throat> and then transitions is what some people have said is a key verse in all of Philippians chapter four, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Mm -hmm. Again, I will say rejoice. So maybe some of these verses are familiar to you or these ideas or concepts. Yeah, there might, there's, there's probably some familiar verses in Philippians 14, like 
be anxious about nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, I can all things through him who strengthens me. Yep. And my God shall supply all your needs. Or for to me is to live as Christ to die as gain. Yep. So he will begin a good work in you, will bring it to completion of the day of Christ Jesus, mm -hmm. chapter one, verse it's, six. It's helpful to know how those verses all fit into this book. Yep. Yep. So, so I think that's good. Rejoicing mm -hmm. and the gospel. Rejoice in the gospel, how it's progressed and went on. Yep. And so I will post on the website a printout of some things you can write down in this section of your book. We would have done that in class. Yep. yep. So be sure to write down some notes on that. Yep. Okay. All right. We will see you tomorrow. Audio. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, everyone.